Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. Oh, do I say it now? I'm Devin. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> and we are track walking. Um, you did great. Uh, so this week we have the third person from our three-person interview, Devin Giles. <laughs> the one that uh, I was too tired to, to get up from. Yeah, that, that third guy. I did get a message somewhere in the middle of the of the interview and said, Devin, hey, I just woke up. I think it's going to be too awkward if I join in or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, I, was, no. I was so tired, man. Fucking railroad life sucks. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, you've 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 got a job, man. Like, why don't you brief? I know it's been documented elsewhere, but like. What do you do for a living? So, uh, for the main part, I work for one of the top five railroads in the uh, in the U.S. Um, so, my job, uh, to put it shortly, is to make sure everybody doesn't die by a train. So, cheers! Thank, thank you. That's the easiest way to put it. So, I do all, everything on the the track side of things. Uh, my job, specifically during the summer, spring, and fall is to align, I run a machine or a small crew that aligns track and lifts track to certain specifications, usually within like you know, a couple inches or so. And during the wintertime, I kind of do everything between derailments and working with, you know, repairs in the snow and the cold, uh, broken rail, things like that. So yeah, just making sure everybody doesn't die. You, you say derailments, I assume you mean something other than what I, I think you're saying? Nope, I, it's exactly what you're thinking. Oh. Except for not, you know, not as we, what you're thinking is a without people. Yeah. yeah, you're thinking of catastrophic derailments where you have like 17 cars tipped over and the fucking town's done exploded. <laughs> I've I've seen movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The most derailments happen in like yards or next to yards where they just drop like one or two wheels off the rails, and it's still a fucking headache to clean it up. That sounds miserable. <laughs> Yeah, last Wednesday was a twenty-hour day for me. Put it that way. Man, what? Mm-hmm. Six from six thirty a.m. to three o'clock a.m. because they had a derailment in the yard. That's that's too much work. So when I was a kid and I had like a railroad thing run <laughs> through my living room and the train fell over, I just picked it up and put it back on. That's close. That's similar to what we do, right? Except for it, it takes a, uh, usually they have things called re-railing frogs where you can drive up on them and you can hope it slides over, but they usually don't work. And then they have to call in like a crane to pick it up. And that's usually a, a long ordeal. You know, it's not, it's not as easy as picking up with your fingers, you know, it takes a lot of, <laughs> a lot of goddamn effort. Um, and then afterwards we do the, we have to fix everything and mess up when it, when it failed. How demoralizing in it is it to know that you've got this machine, this contraption, that's sole purpose is to put the wheels back on the track, but knowing that most likely it's not going to work. Yeah, right? Yeah, we deployed these, so what's plan B? Because plan A is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you, plan B is now plan A. Mm-hmm. Plan, plan A, B. <laughs> now... 
I took a bite of popcorn at the wrong moment. Um, I'm eating again, by the way. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, Devin, we wanted to have you on. One, because we didn't get to talk to you last week. Um, did you have a chance to listen to that episode? I think you did, right? I did. Nice. What, um, I guess you, so you're part of the professional awesome group. Yeah. Accurate way to put it. Um, first of all, how did you fall in with that lot? Because they're, uh, they're a rowdy bunch of dudes. That's one way to put it. <laughs> um, it's kind of weird, right? I was actually just on my way home from, I don't know where the fuck I was. I was, I was traveling. I used to travel for the railroad too. And uh, I happened to be coming through uh, Lafayette, which is where they're based out of. And I stopped by Mike's house, Mike Lewin. And, uh, you know, we were chatting up. If you ever get the chance to talk to Mike Lewin, you, you know you're in for a long time because that man can talk. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> And we happily came across, like, you know, obviously car set up, things like that. And I was just expressing to him that I feel like I'm doing things like I know the basis, but I don't know if I'm doing it right. Like, I kind of need a, a confirmation for the most part. And uh, he kind of was like, well, we kind of need help doing this. And if you're down, you know, we would like to, you know, you can be part of the team. I got to ask everybody else, but you know, I'm cool with it. And then we kind of kicked it off from there and. And now, uh, obviously, we we help back and forth, and I try to do a lot of the posting and all the other stuff that I'm good at, and then he does what he's good at, which is obviously talking. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of how it kind of like match made happen, right? Mike is a professional opinion haver. Yeah, it's 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 kind of awesome, right? Because like the podcast lets you, like our podcast lets you, like see more of his behind the scenes personality because if you don't know like he, he talks a lot like he doesn't post a lot on on social media nope. but man you get him like in an audio medium and it just he just rattles them off especially on something like that he's either opinionated about or knowledgeable not yeah, knowledgeable about which the dude's pretty smart mm-hmm. so it's hard to come across something he doesn't know something about he's one of those guys that just likes to learn about everything like if it interests him he over researches it and then like he knows facts about certain shit that i'm just like i don't bro what what why do you know this like this like that's the information that would been in my head and been gone so i think on track you are known I think probably for the time attack S two thousand, yeah, that'd be hundred percent correct. Okay, now that car you've had for a minute is that Wait. was that like your first track car, or is that one that you bought and it's just been kind of the slow build up? Funny story, right? So I started tracking in two thousand ten with the uh, ninety five Nissan Maxima. That was my first car, automatic pretty good you know well i guess i guess first of all a little okay. a little history of me right I, I started in drag racing drag racing i've got a family on both sides both sides parents my dad and then my uncle on my mom's side right they all started drag racing all that other stuff uh then my dad's uh what i call a serial hobbyist so he'll do a hobby for a year and then he'll switch something else and he'll yep. invest all his time there right so he found uh 
he was doing drag racing with our Miata. He had a supercharged and then a turbo Miata, right? He fell in love with import drag racing, right? It was uh, back in 2008 or so. It was an 11-second car, which then was fucking fast, right? That's yeah. really fast. That's, especially <laughs> right, for a Miata, man. You're, that's a whole yeah. So obviously he loved doing a graduation thing because everybody thought it was a 14 second car, right? Um, he wound up somehow finding uh, the local Miata club and started doing autocross with it, right? So I joined him doing that, and that's when I obtained my perfect maximum when I when I could. Um, so that's why I kind of started doing more things with turns, right? So I start kind of start splitting car duty with him, and then found out that like okay, I'm just as good as him with driving this car so i should do this with my maximum and then i quickly found out that my maximum was the clapped out piece of trash so <laughs> i went on and found uh a 240 and then i sr swapped it and then i started with that only problem was it was open diff and uh i had i had, I had 275 on it but it, you know it just would it didn't work out that well but it was fast it was fun um and then i kind of got into time attack was when I took that car to a high-speed autocross uh, at Autobahn, and um, the TH Motorsports, they had their old SCI, and they were campaigning. Oh, yeah. And, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck that thing is, but I like it, and uh, I want to do that. Whatever they're doing, I want to do that. It looks cool. Exactly. And that's what I, and I fell in love with Time Attack in that way. And I was actually looking for a Turbo Miata and found out that there was, there was only one at the time. It was 13 grand in Milwaukee. And I was like, I don't want to take that trip. I was like, what else is there out there? And uh, I guess the S2000 came up as one, like, one of the recommended things. And then there was one close to me uh, by DeKalb, because I was at NIU at the point. Uh, that was eight grand. And I was like, well, the worst thing I can say is no. We might as well go test drive it. And then uh, I kind of I came back with it. <laughs> test drove it. I was like, ah. Well, can't say no. Followed you home. Yeah, well, eight, pretty much. Gra eight grand. You could, I bet you could sell it. Like if it were still stock, you could sell it for a profit right now easily. Oh, easily. Jeez. The prices of S2000 these days are fucking ridiculous. Eight grand must have been about the bottom of the value yeah. for those. Miatas yeah. are almost going for eight grand. Like well, they're going for a lot more stock, than that. I, it's I, dumb. I could, I could tell you what a kid at the car track paid for a beautiful 16,000 mile any Miata and oh boy. would make you pee yourself. Oh boy. Okay. You said beautiful in 16K. It, I'm already checked out. Yeah, is it <laughs> what It was over $10,000. Was it like it one was, of those special rare colors? No, it's just a red Miata. Hardtop? No. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> that hurts. It oh. was it was like it was like eleven something for it. Man, big oof. Jesus. I mean, if I mean, it maybe was, if it, it had a hard top, because those those dumb things are going for two grand anymore. Yeah, it it was the car was perfect, like I guess perfect, but still, I was like, it was like, please don't cut this up for the love of God. You're 17 years old and your dad bought you this car. Oh yeah, I'm cutting please it up right away. Okay. And he was right like, away. well, you know, I just want to do a few things to it, and I was like. Oh, oh my so god! So do a few things like uh, engine Cut swap, turbo, <laughs> subframe like, swap. Ruin it? You're gonna ruin it. Oh, ah. 
yeah. yeah. But there was a time when S2000s, like when like eight grand for an S2000, you're like, whatever, I'll make it into a track car, right? Yeah. Nowadays, you can't you can't get shale for under seven these days. Yeah, that's two thousand community. It's just like hard tops are four or five grand if you want an OEM one. Um, I mean the clap the clapped out ones are still fifteen these days. Ah, I can't do it. I might as well just keep this one forever. I <laughs> told my girlfriend like the only way I'll probably get rid of it is probably it's probably gonna end up in a wall or someday. So that's probably the only way I get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. You get those cars where you're like, I have to keep this because I'll never buy another one. I had it for sale, and I just two people came with serious offers and i was like mm, this was a mistake i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but but i'm offering you what you asked for it's like uh but you're not I'm giving me what enough. i want <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna take my car and leave me with a stack of money i'm just not gonna like it <laughs> yeah you could fold the money into the shape of an s2000 yeah at best yeah. <laughs> now and this this S two thousand, like you're pretty far down the rabbit hole with it. I mean, we're big wheels and tires. You've gone V mount, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, it's uh, at this point, there's actually not many things I haven't touched. Right, yeah. like I started the basic track track car, and now it's K swapped, uh, decent sized turbo. Uh, it's back to a stack mount, so they're the radiators connecting to the say in a cooler okay uh that's at a 45 degree angle uh so i cut the front end off pretty much yep um it's got uh two ways on it 295s all around uh big arrow uh, probably dct or sequential well i've got the dct stuff but i'm just waiting for alex and them to to figure it all out so i can just copy them yeah they're <laughs> boy yeah they're they're getting closer with every time they replace one and every time they i mean they're they're basically writing the code yeah, the manual for it and what like what i want to do with them too is uh i think i talked to andy about this when they get it reliable i just want to you know interview him and do an article on it just so it can be out there and easy for everybody to do right yeah for sure yeah i i remember talking to andy about it because you know that that car's been on the one lap um trying to think if i know one year with the DCT. I think it might have been two years with the DCT now. And, I mean, one of the ultimate tests to me of if a car can survive. Um, yeah. And, yeah, he was basically like, yeah, we got this. We we got a DCT. We wired everything up. We got the controller for it and the software, and that's it. Like, mm-hmm. there were all these codes and all these functions had no idea what any of them meant. And so it was just a matter of like going through, like looking at data logs and changing little stuff here and there to figure out, oh, okay, this this does um, sp- speed, pickup speed. This one does um, line pressure. <laughs> just, yeah. Like it's, oh, my God. It's, it's so many things. Like I tell people, like it's uh, trying to figure out an infinity from zero map like they've never put it on a car before like yeah trying to figure out modern ecu like it takes a lot of time and effort right from my perspective i don't have that much time being with the railroad and i'm not home often right so i just want them to figure it out so i could just fucking i get install it. and you know what i mean <laughs> yeah alex get you get your keyboard out man keep going 
Exactly. Oh, uh, yeah, that seems terrible to me, but. But so, yeah, that's, that's my evolution of my S2000. It's just, and it's obviously continuing more and more. Um, a little, it probably take a little step back with uh, with my GOTC thing with the Corvette, um, which obviously is taking way more of my time and effort. I'm more excited about that than anything else, to be honest with you. Yeah, a lot of time attackers are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just cost wise. I get it, it. Makes more sense, you know. Just the time that I mean, the S2000. It's, it's like our evil. I mean, you, you're counting laps at that point, right? Yeah. Like it's it's going to break in that year. Regardless of how you feel about it, it's just what's going to break at that point. Yes, either it's going to be something that's going to cost you, you know, six, seven thousand dollars, or it's going to cost you just a thousand dollars. But it's going to be three zeros at least. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and every year you've got to, yeah. if you want to be competitive for the front, every year, like I, you know, I remember boats used to be every year you put ten percent of the boat's value into just maintenance. That's not even like fixing broken stuff. That's not oil or gas. That's just like basic maintenance. I would like to see somebody figure out on a race car what a percentage of the car's value is per year just on like updating things. You don't really want to know that answer. I don't I don't I'm think gonna... they do in it. That's why I don't <laughs> think people will actually uh keep track of that stuff. Obviously you don't I actually have a, a super detailed spreadsheet like all the way down to fuel cost. Wow. Like yeah I, I get kind of crazy punishment. Yeah. So I mean for me I'm obviously I've got I've had some uh partner support and you know stuff I do with Speed Academy, stuff I do with Pro All and all that stuff. But even I mean, I think I come out pretty even, right? So with uh, buying a car, um, excluding for this one, it's excluding fuel and brake pads. So this one's excluding consumables. Okay. I'm at forty-two thousand. That's not bad for that car. Not bad, right? That's Sounds also including cheap. everything I've sold. So I, I take it out of the spreadsheet. Yep. So it's it's not bad, and then it's over ten years, right? I've owned it since two thousand twelve. Yep. So yeah, that's not, not bad. bad. Not too bad. Now the Corvette, I'm already well into the twenties already. <laughs> I don't know about the Corvette, like because I'm a I'm a terrible not listening to other people's stuff thing. So tell me about the Corvette because I'm interested. So it's a uh, C5. It's an ex Bondurant student car. Um, Bondurant so had a gentle yeah. life. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, slow mouth, thirty thousand miles of pure bliss, Sunday driving only. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know what uh, I have. <laughs> it was um, donated to uh, National Corvette Museum um, from them, and uh, it's basically used. They used it as their lead and follow car uh, right after they built, you know, the track. And um, basically, they need a room. Uh, it's not pristine enough to go in the museum. Um, and I can hit up at Matt after I wrote an article about why a Corvette is the the best optimum thing for a time attack not actually thinking I was going to buy one. And then kind of Matt hit me up like, Hey, I got, I got a Corvette. It, it runs. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, sure. Why not? You know, not thinking, I don't think it's going to be a 12, 13,000 car. And I don't want to spend that much money right now, but it was roughly half that. And I was like, well, I guess I can't say no to that. And uh, <laughs> and those motors are just stupid, reliable. And my thing is like 
I wanted to, this is before Jeremy, you know, we had Jeremy issues. Um, and I just wanted something that was, you didn't see in the field too much. I didn't want to detune my S2000 because I like turbos too much. Um, so I wanted something that was higher than a class that I can bring back down so I don't have S2000 problems, right? Mm-hmm. Something that's meant to go a lot faster so I can I can abuse it and it, it'll be fine. So LS obviously is perfect for that. Um, it might have its small problems, like you know, oil problems, but you know, tomato, tomato, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, it just it just fit the bill. At the end, it just happens to be that you know Jeremy was campaigning his that that year, um, and I, I I was a whole year out. So learning from him too, and the guys at G Speed about how to make a Corvette reliable, fast, and all that stuff. So. Yeah, and they're the guys uh, putting it together for you, right? Correct, correct. I I, I had the cage put in, uh, took all the wiring and stuff out, and uh, it didn't run when I put it all back in. Um, so ain't that uh, delightful, <laughs> right? So I was like, well, well, damn. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, Lewis at G Speed hit me up. It was like, hey man, just bring me the car. Don't worry about it. You know, obviously it's gonna cost you but just bring me the car i'll figure it all out so i figured this at this time i had you know all this overtime from getting getting raped on the railroad um so i was like 20 you know hour days better be good for something yeah so I'll, I'll let the professional take care of it and it's been it's been short of amazing to be honest with you so like i'm super hands off so like i don't know how the car is doing at all until they message me and uh he usually just sends me a photo dump of stuff and i'm just like that looks amazing. And then he'll he'll ask me like, pick between this and that. What do you want? And that's it. And I I have trust issues with shops. Um, every shop I went to before it has been a piece of shit. Uh, yep. Even the ones that I worked for. And um, yeah, so this this experience has been like overwhelmingly happy. And I'm like super nervous about Coda and um, yeah. just in general. It's like first wheel to wheel race, fucking Coda's expensive. Um, so far, any yeah. of the Corvette, uh, it's just well, it's great. a big fast track too. So it's it's not like doing a small track that's got less stress on the car. Like this is a proper yeah, stress boy test track. on the car. Yeah, it, <laughs> it really is. Yeah, yeah, you're at you're at Watt for uh ten seconds. Yeah, all of yeah. it. <laughs> small lifts here and there so you have you've been out of competition driving for how many seasons now uh all of COVID, basically so two seasons two full seasons mm-hmm. i mean more like two and a half two or three quarters right because 2017 was my last like full season of of competing oh dang okay yeah 2018 was an off year because that's when i um so I case swapped everything. Okay. Um, I didn't do anything until like the late that season. Then 2019 is when I was out. I did ultimate track car. I did a couple of grid lives. And then uh, at festival is when the car broke, like broke, broke. So I think we got the yeah. Evo out there and they both broke at the exact same, like <laughs> a couple minutes away apart from each other. Yeah, it's not a great day. No. Sad, sad day for pro. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's solid, solid two years, two, two, two and a half years. What, 
I guess first question, let's start here, is what, from drag racing and autocross, like what drew you to time attack as, like, as a discipline? Was it the, like, the freedom in the car build other than, like, the rule sets? Was it the actual competition aspect? Because at that point, like, if you wanted to compete at grid life, it was time attack. Yeah. It would have to be uh, both, actually, what you said. So autocross, you get the discipline of your driving, right? You get the, you know, apex and different different lines you got to take. It's kind of a, I feel like you're you're driving against other drivers at that point. And then some car setup. Uh, but drag racing was more of you let the car do the talking, right? Yeah. Like, I, I won't say it's easy because don't fucking PM me. <laughs> um Launches are hard. If anybody thinks they know how to launch their car, somebody knows how to do it better. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that can, that's like a half a second, especially for most amateurs. Right. Um, but, uh, a car, like I've, I've driven eight second cars, like a car that's fast. It's not easy to drive, like, especially with not set up well. All right. So, but I like the aspect of fast, dude. What if you've driven with an eight second car? That's terrifying. Uh, I've driven uh, Malibu, a uh, couple of uh, fourth gen Camaros. Okay, um, what's so the Malibu tra- is the fastest one though? Because I know I know guys who I know huh? guys who have built cars in that that time like that speed bracket, and like the setup on cars that fast is really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, getting getting a, a like this Malibu, for instance, getting a thirty three hundred pound car to get down there you know 8.8 seconds it's, it's not easy right and it, it 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 lets you know every bit that it weighs that much <laughs> yeah and yeah. if you do it wrong they'll hurt you oh yeah oh they like walls i mean that track <laughs> is real skinny when you're going that fast <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so uh i don't i can't say to because they still they still grudge race these days with that car so they Obviously, in the graduation scene, they don't you can't tell details, nope. but um, it's a big tire car, is what, what they say. You know, it's got these big steamrollers in the back, is what I call them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, but like, side note, people that are doing that, like sevens and eights with these 275 radios, are insane. Like, I don't understand how people like aren't dying from this because this that's just crazy. Um, but yeah, that's what we do. Time attack was I like the like the the horsepower aspect of it. Like I like turbos. I like, I like things screaming fast. Uh, and time attack cars at the time, you know, this is when, you know, GTA and red line were like, they were the go-tos. Right. So I was, yeah. they're just like, those are just super cool to me. And then when uh great life came out, I was just like, Oh, we got a local time. attack. I don't have to travel everywhere. Oh, this match made in heaven. Yeah, it took all these big events that I remember being like on either coast, east or west coast, depending. And yeah, I actually brought it inland to like Michigan and yeah, right. <laughs> Chicago area. Yeah, where us, us normal, you know, cold Midwesterns could go to. Yeah, yeah. So you're still planning on racing the S2000 at some point? What's the plan for that car? You know, as of now, it works. Um, I still need to finish front end arrow, uh, so it works. So I'm just like I kind of just kind of just taking this all in <laughs> that it's, that's running for a while. So 
I do want to compete in it more. I think this year it might be out once or twice. Uh, probably not a competition because doing grid life, doing the GOTC, getting two cars there is just it's too much, too hard. Yeah. Um, full full but, crew for that one. Yeah, exactly. You know, my little my little Toyota, it, it'll it'll blow up trying to pull two cars. <laughs> um but I, I do want it out at the gta event um sometime this year but no promises for it unfortunately and kind of in this downtime you've been i mean we had gltc in 2019 mm-hmm. and god it's weird to think like we're on year this is year four of gltc yeah good god all right um yeah I'm, we're constantly reminded how old we're getting. Um, Don't remind me. What, what is it about GLTC that attracts you to it? Like wheel-to-wheel racing, I guess. Like not GLTC specifically, but what is it? So the flip side with the S2000, with time attack stuff, is I actually don't care to have open laps. I don't care for people not to be around me. I enjoy people around me. Like if I'm not, if I don't, I, all my fastest lap, I've always passed somebody on that lap. Right. <laughs> but I, I don't know why it is. Like that's why if, if I'm scheduled to be in group A, I enjoy being in group B. Right. I don't know why, but passing has just always been like super cool to me, like my thing. Um, so even like doing like uh, three balls racing, like, you know, I have a group A with, Oh, yeah. Which is basically just a race group yes. for the most part. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's open passing. Point buys are suggested. It's just, yeah, you know, optional. <laughs> um, and those those are always been a ball for me. Um, so when GLTC was uh, announced, I always thought like, yeah, this is what I this is what I have to do. I got to build a car for it. I got to do something somehow. I got to get in there. Um, and the fact that you have a lot more freedom than some places like SCCA or NASA and uh, some of the rules I always thought was the, I don't want to put it politely, but just stupid. Right. And um, I, I feel like GOTC will kind of find that medium of this. These are things that make a car go fast. And these are things that just don't really matter. Right. And uh, so I have freedom to still give my time attack freedom. You can say, sure. Um, and it just allows me to, to have another cool card and try to pass people. I mean, so that's that's why I'm here. Yeah, see? <laughs> try, exactly. To, try to pass people and, uh, you know, have a good time. But that's one thing. I just I just want to have a good time. Now, I say that, and I'm, I'm super competitive. Like, if it, if it just was an open track day, I, I just wouldn't fucking do it, right? But, <laughs> yeah. but um I am I am also super competitive behind closed doors. I'm probably mad at myself for whatever happens to Coda, to be honest with you. But um, well, you you wouldn't be the first one to be uh frustrated. What um so we've we've talked about time attack and wheel to wheel racing and kind of the different disciplines and how those two can kind of play with you. I guess first question, have you ever been to Coda? No, I've only driven by it. Nice. I've never been to the track itself. So first time at this track, which is a big boy track, like you said. First time wheel to wheel racing. Yeah, it's a first of a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's <laughs> first yeah. time. First time really driving the Corvette as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you nervous about? It seems like there's a lot, there's a lot that's happening. <laughs> this good. And, <laughs> and, and we're, and we're having, and we're having the, the pleasure of like talking to you the Monday before Coda. And this episode's going to come out the day after Coda. What happens? Oh boy. So this is going to be a great retrospective for you to speak for past you to speak to future. you. Yeah. Right. And see if you got it right. What, um, like, what are you nervous about? What are the different aspects of this? So first, um, and I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. Okay. All right. That's fair. <laughs> um, I, I guess I'm nervous about the one. Okay. All right, all right, let me get to my thoughts. I'm nervous about letting myself down. All right, that's a big thing for me. Okay. Um, I, I'm trying to table my own expectations, but my my competitive side is also saying that my expectation needs to be this. Right. I don't expect to win. Uh, I'm not. I'm not retarded. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I, I. I. But I do expect a certain level of competitiveness. Um, for once, I'm not nervous about car prep because I trust those guys fully. Um, that is a that's a huge weight. I just want oh, to say, like that's a huge weight biggest, off your shoulders. The biggest, like I mean, because usually that's what I'm most concerned about, right? That first session, I'm usually like, oh, did I did I? I know I know I torqued this down, but I don't know. I heard a little rattle that I don't I've never heard before. Yeah, right. So for once, car prep, I'm okay with. And you only um, get one practice session. Yeah, which is, uh, it hurts. Yeah. I, then, then that Friday before practice session was like, oh, 500 bucks. Oh, yeah. A whole nother entry fee. Yeah, seriously. it's And it's what, like three 20-minute sessions or something? Or yeah, is more? it's, uh, at, at the, I'm not going to lie to you, Scott, at, 400, at the 500 price, I'd stop reading because I, I, I can't afford that. Yeah, I, like I, <laughs> yeah I, I, and maybe it's, maybe it's more, maybe it's five. 20 minutes but still like that's that's a full weekend yeah at most exactly. other places and i mean Oof. for me that's that's two or three track days you know for for testing wise that's, so that's your plane ticket man yeah. yeah oh that's gas on the way down there yeah that's a, um yeah so i can't i can't justify it yeah. uh, I, luckily for me i do get to test at lewis's his shop is actually on a track think like autobahn for the most part okay his shop has a small track next to it that they can uh, pay to use for sessions. Sweet. So it's a lot more reasonable. Um, but I am also nervous about being in a pack of people. Um, like in my in my head, like I, I I don't know if my head predictions are the same as what it's actually going to be. Like I can picture my own break marks, but I just I don't want to hit anybody. <laughs> as simple as that um so it's a good I, place to have your head yeah so I, I just i don't want to be i'm nervous about being aggressive but i'm also nervous about being too submissive at the same time um boy i, and, I feel you <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah uh like well because you, you've had an incident before and and yeah. to go for my first race and to be in texas so far away like that'd be a big deal um i guess I guess that's that's pretty much it. To be honest with you, that's I, I don't want to let myself down, and I don't want to hit anybody. Yeah, yeah, and the the not hitting anybody that's 
I mean, it's qualifying. Qualifying is going to, I think, feel just like a time attack session to you. I think that that may be a great time to build your confidence up a bit. Um, you know, get out there. You know, you're still certainly going to be learning the course, but you know, you're getting out there. You're not really worried about racing people. You're just focused on your and the car's performance and you'll be around people maybe. Um, but pretty easy. Boy, that, that first lap race one is drinking from a fire hose, <laughs> especially turn one at Coda when you can go like eight cars wide into that thing. <laughs> That's the, the good thing about Coda is there's, it's a big track. Like it's a big wide track. It's not like at Gingerman and you're like, I wonder how many cars wide we can fit through here. Yeah, two and a half, maybe <laughs> no Coda. You could, I mean, you could line the field up sideways and they'd all fit down the main yeah. straight. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. Because it's it's so big and there's room and there's a runoff and um, if there's if there's a plus to doing it to doing your first race at a track that big, it's that there's always somewhere to go. Um, you don't have to worry. I mean, you worry about being boxed in with other cars, but if you've got like an off to the side, there's always some place off to the side where you can put the car. So. Well, that, that's nice to know. I mean, I mean, I've logged like at least a thousand laps on Forza at this point, so I'm pretty much an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Already that's, a champion. Like, like you know, with everything you do in in any sort of like sim type racing, it's always the elevation that catches you every time. Yeah, and every that's time. that. Well, everybody who drives Coda the first like up that hill, and I keep in mind I've never driven on Coda because I don't have that kind of money. Like I'm not paying Coda money to go drive around Coda, but just as a fan, when you stand at the top of, of the hill and you look down, it's like, there's no way you can be prepared to drive up that hill mm-hmm. and around that corner until you do it. That's probably my first time in Road Atlanta. That's how I felt like coming like, in the gates and going like straight up like a roller coaster. You're like, what, where am I at? What have I signed up for? And that's like, what I, I tell everybody that Road Atlanta too. That was my first track that I drove at that had like, oh my God, levels of elevation where I thought, what is happening? Um, And I, you know, that I had driven, like I had driven it in a sim. So I thought I knew what was going Mm -hmm. on. And I was like, cool, that didn't prepare me at all. I've yeah, right. what's happening. <laughs> and, th- and that's how I was. I, I'd driven it so many times. I was like, I know every- I know this is great. Right. And I got the first time I got to uh, turn three, I was like, I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> like, there's no track there. They all lied to me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> take me, going- take me home, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> and then going down the back straight, I was like, this is way faster than it needs to be. That's that's at that point, my car was doing one. 159 160 in the back street hard pass hard pass man i'll tell you about the stuff that was shaking and i never heard shake before (laughs) danger to manifold it's um yeah i mean that's that's kind of the nice part about gltc cars too is like we don't have five four five six hundred horsepower driving us like i had 201 and i was one of the higher horsepower cars out there Got big block numbers, huh? Yeah, that's that's what that no rear arrow street tire life used to buy you. Um, and yeah, that's I mean, we're all street tires now, so my uh, I get to lose my four percent next year. 
How do you um, feel about that? How do you feel about the switch to sweet tires? I mean, I've been yell. I've been there at the beginning. I just we were going to do slicks maybe at the end of this season if mm-hmm. the rules had stayed the same. Just because with the way the modifiers are, one, I uh, I think in my weight class I could have run a two seventy five, but nobody makes a two seventy five two hundred treadwear tire in my size. Run the fifteens. Yeah, yeah that that would been a hard ask. Yeah, um, I mean you'd have to have done a seventeen inch wheel conversion, which on a Miata is something takes takes a little bit of doing mm-hmm. um so i mean i was always down on lateral grip the you know the entire time because that's just what it was you know slicks were the answer and you know everybody always said you know a decent set of r7s to a comparable size even a good street tires is what second and a half two seconds around gingerman yep ballpark in general how much horsepower would you need to make up a second and a half to two seconds? Because it's more than eight, <laughs> which which is what we got, you know. Um, I mean, under ten, you're not even supposed to be able to feel the horsepower difference. Under ten wheel horsepower. Yeah, yeah. No, that's totally. I mean, we on the one lap last year, we were able to use our full tune, which was two seventeen. Um, dude and it's it's like it uh, with that flat tune like it'll kind of climb and then it just kind of peters out and you're going Mm -hmm. and you're just waiting till red line like it actually like you're like okay we're actually still (laughs) we're still accelerating here this is fun got some juice yeah um but yeah it's you know that the eight horsepower i mean we were thinking probably more like 20 may have actually like done that math properly but I think what it did for me as a driver is just learn. I mean, the entire time I've been in GLTC, I've been building this car in my skill level year by year, you know, and the car is getting close to actually being optimized. But it's basically like learning every step of the way. What do we need to do to make the car faster? And once we get there, do I know what to do with it? That's that's super responsible of you. I don't think people understand how hard that is to, to do. I I yell from the rooftops, especially at some of my beginner ducklings and stuff, and they're like, Yeah, I'm you know, I'm thinking about going with stickier tires and this and that. I'm like, No, don't. You're making such a mistake. Like yeah. I want you to stay in the three hundred treadwear tires. If you get anything, like, granted, you know, motion rates, blah, blah, blah. Like, don't go anything stiffer than a 500-pound spring. Don't, mm. just don't, just stop. Just slow yeah, down. Yeah, but like, that's not what I've seen on the Instagram. So I know, or just, YouTubes. So. Well, you guys know, as soon as you put grip under the car, you ruin everything. It's, it's, well, and this comes back to our question, street tires. Yeah, it's, I like them. I love it. It's going to be good. And it's, I mean, I, I jokingly said a few episodes ago, like grid life is coming to us and I'm not far off. I mean, we're, I'm having to add 70 pounds. Oh, wow. And that's all I would have to do. Now, I'm, of course, I'm doing more because I'm 
I like tinkering too, and I like mm-hmm. spending money that I don't have. Um, yeah, I mean, it's what credit cards are for. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I mean, we were at fifth uh, twenty five thirty last year on two forty five street tires, and the minimum weight for two forty fives this year is twenty six oh one. Not too bad. I mean, it's for me out. That's a lot. Yeah, I'm, but I mean, that's also what rewards weight. Yeah, I mean, you win a race or two. I mean, maybe nobody <laughs> you, you, here. You think you're gonna have that problem, Scott? <laughs> I almost, I almost won at Blackhawk Farms, um, but I did a naughty, naughty thing. So, um, <laughs> that's a non-point anyway. But it was good fun. But yeah, the street tires, I th- I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be better. I mean, everyone's, you know, talking about, you know, who's going to shave tires in this compound, that compound. Yeah, that's, all, that's all, such a stupid argument, all, but whatever. All of the cars and all the compounds are going to be very similar when driven well. Mm-hmm. Um, some may come on a little bit quicker. Some may last a little bit better towards the end, but driver skill is going to come into more, more play, I think, because these cars, street tires, like to have some slip angle in them to be driven fast. Um, I think it's going to be good, man. I, I love it. I mean, I've, I've never, I was actually more nervous about driving on a, a Hoosier than I was on a street tire. Like I've, I've only driven on street tires my entire tracking career. I mean, I've maybe had some NTO ones, but at that point, <laughs> those are slower than street tires now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm like that, that makes me comfortable. And I don't have to, you know, go out and buy R7s because I can't afford a new set of R7s, nope. right? <laughs> hey, even street tires now. Street tires, you know, last couple of years have gone up just with material costs. You know, GLTC street tires are so much uh, so much cheaper than the S2000 street tires. Uh, even at the 275s, because, you know, the S2000 got 295, 315s on it. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's yeah, this big money. That's I'm like, yeah, yeah. two seventy five. Woohoo! Do it, <laughs> little boys. Yeah. Are you That's doing? So are you doing the rear arrow or any front arrow? What's your What's your plan with this thing? My man, a race car has to have arrow. I got all of it. <laughs> got every single bit of it. Splitter too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I worked with uh, Eric Streeter, oh, and yeah. from his uh, analysis that. Uh, it all should, it should, it makes more sense, obviously, around Gingerman to have it all. Um, probably won't make as much sense around Coda, but it's such a new track for me anyway. I'm, I want to get used to it, how it, how it's going to be at my favorite tracks, which is Autobahn and Gingerman. Yeah. And those, those S's at Coda aren't slow. They're not. <laughs> I mean, arrow, having a little bit of arrow around those S's will be, I think, helpful. I hope so. At least that's the plan. I, I, my goal is to, to be far enough away when they hit the back straight that I don't get caught right away. Totally fair. So, yeah, thanks. I think you're, you're, you're uh, confirming some of my beliefs. So I, I'm feeling real good about this podcast yep. right about now. Yeah, it's, I mean, as, as we've seen in GLTC, like lateral grip is really king for most tracks we go to. Um, and even on the longer tracks, like if you've got three mile an hour better minimum speed, even coming onto the straight, 
like making up from that three mile an hour minimum speed, that'll take you a decent straightaway to not only mm-hmm. match speed, but then start to accelerate and then still pass them. Like it's straight line speed is good. Don't get me wrong, but being able to have a good turn one lap one and high la- uh, minimum speeds is kind of king. I mean, I agree. Minimum speed is, it's always been king with time attack. That's why you see so much, so much arrow, right? Well, obviously that's a uh, metric shit ton of drag. So we're <laughs> giving up a lot of straightaway speed for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, have yeah, I've got rants about that. I don't, <laughs> I don't. Oh, you know, man, I'm all for yeah. the rants. Just, yeah, the, the whole notion of, you know, just bolt something bigger into place. Like there are ways of, and I think you guys and some of the other um, Canadian teams, like the really arrow wise look pretty subtle, pretty standard, pretty restrictive. You can actually make a quite a bit of downforce with some thought planning, testing, and that keeps the drag way lower. I mean, you can always put a bigger front wing, rear wing on, you know, just add more power and it makes up for that, right? But like at a certain point, you're you're just canceling it out. Like lower drag makes every like lighter weight, lower drag makes everything better. Yeah, I mean on that notion, uh a lot of things are obviously come from floors, right? So a lot of like the limited cars, like ours for instance, it, a lot of it comes from the floor diffuser, creates you a lot of a lot of downforce and a lot of uh a lot of drag reduction. Um, but you like look at our car. It's got it's still got a simple splitter on it. It's got a simple wood splitter with, yeah. with tunnels on it, like nothing crazy. Um, and then you look at some other cars, like uh, like Ferris's new car. It's going back to a traditional splitter looking with tunnels, right? Um, and he's worked with Ferris, which they're great. They're one of the, the few companies I recommend for like CFD testing, all that stuff. Like spot on, a one information. Um, but yeah, like a lot of Bigger is not always better. Just having uh, a system that works well together to create efficient downforce. Like, yes, the, you can have some drag penalty, which is give or take. Uh, but you don't need to have like 16 elements to uh, to always come out to be faster, right? Wrong. Yeah. Bigger is yeah. always better. More. Okay, you're right. Always I more. Apologize. Stack the wings on the wings. <laughs> more more canards. Your canards need canards. Oh, you're right. You're, oh, man. Canards. Jesus. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> God, those were uh, so popular for a while. Anyway, let's get let's get back to you. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I thought it was interesting when you said um, that your fast laps in your S2000 during time attack were when you were passing people and you preferred to be in the B run group, which is second run group, and they're typically classed by speed. And like my my initial like jump to what this says about you, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is getting out of A class kind of takes some of the pressure away that you can excel in B class. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's I feel that's an accurate statement. Like uh I guess it's pressure in a different, in a different way, right? So, I do. I, I still have a lot of hobbies, so I still play football and things like that. Um, so, knowing that somebody's 
across for me that's better. Uh, not all the time doesn't bring the best out of me. It makes me more timid or you know something like that. But knowing that there's somebody across from me that I feel like it's not as good as I am, now I have to prove that I have to prove that to myself, right? So knowing somebody that's not as fast as I am for me means that I should be passing them no problem, right? And usually what that means is I'm just trying harder to be perfect. Knowing that I don't have to catch it, like in a group, I greeted somebody's faster in front of you. I feel like I don't, I'm never going to catch them because they're supposed to be faster. Than me. You're just demoralized instantly. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, whatever, hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know why, why that goes to my head sometimes. Maybe that goes to my, my mental health situation or something, but um, yeah, I just, I just, and I just feel more comfortable in in a slower class or something. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how this weekend goes for you because GLTC is kind of both of those at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like you've got, you'll kind of find your, your pace and granted again, it's your first weekend. So you'll probably find as long as the track doesn't like heat and grease up as the day goes. Cause it's Texas. Texas. It's um, not going to be hot. Not a problem. Sweet. Um, so you'll you'll find a little more pace over the weekend, but you'll you'll kind of fall into kind of knowing who you're around, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see, especially on race starts, because sometimes some slower cars are really good at race starts, mm-hmm. and you'll have to earn your position by getting back around them, and you're going to have some quicker cars either not be good on starts or be good at the starts out in front of you. And what I've, I, I kind of identify with some of what you said, like the, the cars that were typically faster than, um, I don't, I don't want to say I don't worry about them, but it's like, I know, I know what I'm capable of and we can do this. And the perennial front runners of GLTC feel like, they might as well be in a different solar system. Yeah, be on a rocket ship. Yeah, I mean, it's I can, I'll be able to see him for half a lap, and see you. Yeah, cool. <laughs> All right, talk to you later. Thanks, thanks, <laughs> thanks for coming out. Um, so yeah, I I think that's going to be interesting. But yeah, and also flip side though, like sometimes when I am, and it also depends the competition I'm around. Because sometimes when I, if I'm in a higher group. There are people in front of me that I'm like, ain't no fucking way that they should be in front of me, right? Uh, so I would focus the hard then too. Um, I think this won't be an issue for me uh, this weekend because I, I have a lot that I want to prove to myself. Um, like so I, I kind of have this uh, symptom right now, like I don't belong, like I shouldn't be here type of thing. So, is but, but before you go on, because I, I I don't want to lose that that notion, is that you don't belong in wheel to wheel racing. You don't belong in racing general. What do you, what do you it's mean? It's both. For me, it's both. Okay. Right. So, um, for your listeners don't know, I'm black. Um, and it's always been outside looking in, being a, a race person. Like, even though most people know me by, by now, and, you know, I, I always get to talk to people at the track or whatever, I still feel there's a notion of I don't belong here. Um, so I feel like every time I step in a car, regardless of what it is, I have, I have to prove that I belong here. Um, even to people I don't know, or I don't even care to talk to. Right. So 
like even like moving into GOTC, I still feel like now I have to prove myself all over again, you know, from especially coming from the time attack world. Right. Yeah. So it's uh it's definitely that that notion for sure for me. So I, I, I can say now that I'm probably gonna give it my all and I just don't hit anybody. But um, um yeah, but I, I do have that I don't what's it called like outsider syndrome or something like that. Don't know what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure, it sounds good. Sure. It sounds good. But um <laughs> Do you, do you feel like you have to do anything? You you said perform on track. Do you feel like you mm-hmm. have to? What, what do you have to do different in the paddock on the racetrack because cool. you're a black man? Differently, I can't. Uh, I can't act too urban, right? As, right, so, and that's that's yeah. the code language there, urban. Yeah, can't act urban. I can't act right. black. Yeah, basically. Okay. Right? Like, I can't, I, it just, I can't fit stereotypes, right? So, you can't see me walk around eating watermelon and chicken or something. Like, it's simple things like that that, that put notion into people's heads. And then for me, well, a big thing is, like, at the paddock, my car can't look too clapped. Right, because then it comes that notion that I come in prepared, just another lazy black guy didn't even try. Shit. Right. And have, have you ever has you have you actually gotten that kind of feedback from people? Or are these just kind of the water you swim in? I've never gotten first hand feedback like that. But I've I've definitely gotten third party type of feedback. And I'd rather have been that person that's them sharing the real pain and saying such and so said it. Oh, my student thought this or something. Yeah, but it, it's been third hand for sure. Especially now, it's a lot less. Uh, being you know, there's more of us out there, right? Like before, it was just me and Les and you know James at Honda Meet, yeah. right? <laughs> um, yeah. But now there's a, lot, I don't know, at, at Gingerman, like at festival, there's a solid ten of us now, which is. <laughs> You know, that's a lot. Where it used to be, just you know, yeah. no per, one percentage to three. percentage wise, that's a three hundred percent jump. Cool, it's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, un- unfortunately, that's just the way it, the way it goes in the track. You know, I'm, I'm in. I realize that I'm in a majority male, white, conservative sport. Right, most people have to have disposable income to do to do what we do. It ain't, it's not cheap, right? Me growing up, where I come from, we, it's not a thing that people go do, right? You got to be some type of ball player if you're really going to, you know, do some type of sport. Or, you know, if you're going to do a car sport, it's drag racing, car shows, that's it. Sure. Right? So, road course stuff, they don't even, they know Lewis Hamilton. They don't, they don't, if I showed them what an F1 car compared to any car, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? The same thing. Yep. Right? <laughs> If I told, if I showed them Autobahn, which is right next to Jolly at sixty six, they have no idea. They're half a mile apart from each other. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Does now I know you know the the safety rules have changed quite a bit, and you know GLTC, you've got to have full full safety gear on. Do you? I don't want to say hide. But the ability to put on a helmet, close the visor, 
put on a suit, put on gloves. Does that, do you think that would help you, I guess, not necessarily have to prove yourself because you're more anonymous at that point? Or is, do you still feel transparent? Have, have you read my article? Because that's, that's almost exactly right out of there. Thanks, <laughs> So, yes, put on a helmet helps me disappear from people, right? But I still feel like I have to prove myself when I take this thing off. But it just makes me far more in my element. Anything that I've ever had to put a helmet on, I typically excel more than more than I fail, right? So football, put a helmet on, I'm fine. I had a visor on my helmet in football, too. <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to think. I did some other stuff too, but just and I, and I and I sucked at basketball because I felt like too many people were watching me. Right? I just I struggle with eyes on me. Right? So to answer your question in simple form, yeah, I feel far better with nobody know who I am. You know, I'm I'm just Devin in a Corvette at that stage. Right? I've I put it to you this way: I've I've lost sponsors because they found out that I I was black. They found out. Yeah, nobody, nobody's gonna be. I'm Devin Giles. Nobody, my name doesn't sound urban, right? My emails don't look urban. Um, and I used to in my proposals, I didn't have pictures of me or anything without full race gear on or anything. Sure. Um, but it was. I don't. I don't want to say the brand or the name or anything. They were just super conservative when we were going through the like Ferguson and all the other stuff, you know, the police brutality and stuff, and. Uh, so many words that's what it came down to all right. right so i mean it still happens these days i mean obviously that's a rare occasion i would i would hope um but yeah when i when i get a helmet on man it's 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 far easier for me now this weekend you said you hope you don't disappoint yourself that you're like that you wind up show to yourself that you can do this what what specifically like if if i was to do the business thing to you and say like what does success look like to you this weekend um not hitting anybody that's number one step one check it off (laughs) um you know and i know i know you said that you're trying to like balance this whole like competition like i'm sure you don't want to be last not wrong dude (laughs) um and but realistic that winning or maybe even a podium's probably out of the question (laughs) (laughs) fantasy land um yeah so what what else besides not hitting somebody is on your list of not disappointing yourself um okay so so measurable wise, yep. it'll be I want to I want to place top ten. Okay, that that that's a measurable that I want to get. Um, rather it be the whole weekend or just in one race, I want to be one out of the four. I want to be top ten. Um, but mentally wise, I want to learn for myself what I liked about racing again. Like I, I want to get back to the point where I'm happy being in the car and not being as stressed out and tormented like I was before. I like that. Um, and what else would be, it's just, just, yeah, like just having fun, having, having a, a good time. Like I, it's been a stressful couple of years and especially like these winters with railroad, it, 
it's been stressful. About- so I just I just want to be in Texas and have a good time. Like I want to chill out with my girl. We ain't got nothing to worry about. We out here racing. And I want to justify the racing still cool for me. <laughs> and um those those really the big thing, man. Like I want I want to feel competitive. Like I want to get that competitive spark going back again for racing. Right? Without having the money incentive to just keep throwing it in this fucking pile of fire I got next to me. You know? <laughs> that is time attack. Yeah, I mean uh, we, I've got so much to do with S dollar just to just to think that I'm competitive, right? And let alone the people that are out there racing right now that are growing further and further away from me. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, so, G- yeah, I mean, and GLTC is less. I won't say it's not, mm-hmm. but it's less of a money game. I mean, it's grassroots racing, so it's still it's going to involve money. I mean, yes. nobody ever said grassroots was cheap. I don't know where that notion comes from, but it's never going to be cheap, guys. I'm sorry. No, I still love you, but it's never going to be cheap. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, man, I just a successful weekend for me, top 10, mentally just feeling good. And feeling okay. Feeling okay would be great for me, to be honest with you. That would be pretty good. Yeah, and I wanted... You've... You wrote an article over a year ago now, if I'm correct. Holy crap, it has been over a year. Yeah. About mental health in your life and in racing and kind of all that. Um... One incredible article. Um, I want to get the, I'll post the link in the show notes and anybody who hasn't read it really should like in, in terms of like sticky comments or sticky content that is absolute like required reading. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate it. Um, But I guess what can you explain? Like, the mental challenges that you deal with and how that affects, I guess let's talk about racing first and then we can translate it from there. Okay. So uh, I guess I would, I would say what I've been diagnosed with, right? So I'm a mantic depression or bipolar two, as you call it. Um, So what basically what that means is I've long periods of time of where uh, I can be down or just, sad for no reason for the most part um and that can be trail basically trailing fall stints uh small stints of mantic which means you feel super productive or like i tell people it's like doing drugs and having sex at the same time you just got energy right you're just you're moving um but it doesn't last long right and for me that can come in stints of things just feeling like they're going right right like oh man, this, this race is going great. A style is going great. And then you start thinking in your head, like this is going to fail. Like this, this is not going to work out in a matter of days or hours. And then that can lead you on your start, your downfall, right? Your, your episode, as I call it, um, where you can, you just go, you go into a, a, a deep depression for the most part. Yep. And um, yeah. And then the thing just compound on top of that, on top of that. And you, you generally just feel like shit for a while. 
so I do want to state the difference between bipolar one and bipolar two. Bipolar one is your romantic stages are you feel a little bit more, uh, you're more aggressive. Like those are the people that these typically see that they'll take apart a TV and put it back together. Um, and then those are people that can sometimes have hallucinations and feel that they're real. Uh, but that's when, you know, self-harm can come into play or harm other people. Uh, I am the more subtle version, which is my point too. Uh, but good thing for them is their sad stages don't last as long as mine. So their sad stages might last a couple of days, where mines are typically a couple of weeks. Um, so where that plays into racing is uh, racing requires a lot of input for me through my through mind and just just focusing on it, right? So outcomes can pretty much be determined of how I'm feeling that day. If if I'm in a down state, every everything sucks, right? I might even start feeling like you know, people walking by talking shit about me or something, or I'm not being, uh, I'm not performing the way other people that I don't know and don't know me think I should be performing, right? So things could just keep spiraling down. And um, I mean, to the littlest thing, it's like, let's say, Scott, you're busy and, you know, you're talking to somebody else and you walk past me, right? Then I can start thinking, damn, Scott fucking hates me. Oh, this is terrible. Now everybody hates me here. Why am I here? Why should I be here? Yep. And is it this way for you? Because what I've experienced in my own life and in working with some people who have thoughts and similar diagnoses as your own, is those voices that you perceive that that's your own voice. It sounds like 100% your own voice Mm -hmm. Um, spewing some of the most toxic poisonous shit you've you've ever heard but at the time sounds like it's the most real voice you've ever heard and it's a voice that's actually trying to protect you yeah that's that's an accurate statement because it feels like it's it's uh if i stay in my shell Right. If you just stay in your shell, nothing can happen to you in your shell. Yes. Stay to yourself, stay away from everything, then they can't see you. You're fine. They can't see you, they can't hurt you. I mean, that's as simple as that. Like that's, that's why I like the helmets on, right? If I'm in my shell, yeah. you can't hurt me. Yeah. Right? That's and the more I I mean, like I've had states where I, I won't even post anything on Facebook because Man, I'm not I'm not getting as many interactions as somebody else and I people must hate me then. Uh, social media is like it's it's yeah. just geared to flare up those exact kind of thoughts in people who are relatively healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean it's uh I mean, since I've wrote since I've written that, it's gotten a lot better. Um, just through just Thinking it out, thinking the process out for the most part. Did, write, did writing that article actually like help you progress in understanding and getting a hold of it better? I think it helped me in ways I didn't think it would help me. Okay. Um, I so I, I actually did uh, when I wrote it. I actually did tear up writing it because I was just thinking like this is. I was afraid, right? I was just afraid that people are going to see me in a super vulnerable mode. Like, 
I put it on my own personal Facebook before, right? But that's what a couple hundred people or so, you know. Um, but I was just like, man, this is going to come off the wrong way that I'm just thinking like I'm just giving a giving somebody an excuse to why I haven't done well or something like that. Yeah. Um, but the flip side, man, the the overwhelming amount of messages I receive of people going through the same thing or like just didn't have an avenue of somebody just to talk to about it, like blew me away. Like I, I honestly can't even believe it. Like it, it's helped me just realize that like, there's a lot of people out there that, that feel the same way, may not be diagnosed or just somebody that's in a severe depression that just looking for a way out. Um, and like, you just don't know anybody. Like you just, you really don't. And yeah, man, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of words to describe it, but it's, it's been a good thing. Put it that way. Yeah. Do you, because you're black and you have a diagnosed mental disorder, disorder, disorder correct. something, what's, what's the black community? No. Let me let me ask that a different yeah. way. Let me ask that <laughs> a different on. way. I do not want you to speak for the black community. In in your circle, mm-hmm. is mental health viewed differently than it is typically in the white communities that you interact with? Or like what's what's normal? Sure. Oh man. Uh I think as times go on, things are becoming more like uh what normal is normal's being changed to to what the normal used to be uh but let's say like the black people i ran with and uh, black people let's say my circle in in high school would not understand right it is a suck it up what you sad about type of community right sure um and now it's a that's i get it like that's that's actually the best way to put it. Like, I get it. I understand what you're going through. Like either most people have felt this way in some point of their life, whether it be a family member dying, uh, passing a promotion or just a fucking, my job sucks. This relationship sucks. Like they've been in a, they've been in a low point to where they can, they can at least empathize. It's like, damn, you're going through that every day. Like, Oh, that's rough. Right. And then a lot of more people are like, you know what? I should seek help. Right, like I just and it's not even help. Like some people just need somebody to talk to. This unbiased. Right. Like my inner circle doesn't know what to what to do with this information. It's too much to burden them with. I need to seek somebody to talk to. So for me, as as things get uh, progress, uh, I think my circle also changes too. But um it's becoming more acceptable that way. More people can empathize with was just being down. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting from the outside and, you know, I'd be interested in hearing your perspective, you know, come the end of the race season, you know, you're just getting back into racing. You're doing a new form of racing that is going to combine some of your, uh, Goods and bads. Goods and bads. <laughs> and probably going to be somewhere in the middle 
of the field. And don't you, don't you wish that on me? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not like the sketchy bad, just like no. everybody in GLTC really like job. Number one is don't wreck anybody. And All if right, it's that. not, and if it's not, you need to reexamine yourself and we're going to have a serious <laughs> talk. Um, but I, I think it's going to be interesting. Like as you get back into this and you try to find your place and yeah, still working out some of the, I need to prove myself. Um, I think it's going to be interesting in this new discipline of wheel to wheel racing and kind of what you, what you learn about yourself as you compete this season. I, I would a hundred percent agree. I think maybe that's also one of the things that we're nervous. It's like, I'm going to find out some stuff about me that I, I didn't know about. <laughs> And uh, why, why, why do you think we have this podcast? <laughs> that is literally half of the reason this podcast started is because I had some on track experiences where I got to see myself in the mirror and I did not like what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, it's Scott. <laughs> yeah, dude, that dude screwed up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So, <clears throat> What I'm going to do is um, I'm going to write an article pre-race and write an article post-race, right? And then my goal, even if obviously it's for sponsors and stuff like that, but I want to put all, basically all my emotions into it. And this way I can look back in a year and reread them all and just go through the roller coaster of what happened. Yes. You know, I, I feel like that's a, a good experiment just for myself and just for self-growth. In the, in the long term, yeah, it's like very, very public journaling almost. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know why I enjoy doing that so much. To be honest with you, <laughs> um, maybe because like, uh, because like the article, like all my posts, uh, my blog posts, and all this stuff, uh, people read them, and I maybe I'm just like, maybe people just want to know what Devin has to say. So does Devin just keep saying stuff? Kind of therapeutic, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. It's probably like five people that just keep clicking the same link over and over again. It's fine. I it's, like those five people. It's cathartic, <laughs> you know, to effectively like put yourself on stage, say exactly what you think, and exact. I mean, it's it's an announcement to the little world that this mm-hmm. is who I am and what I think and what I feel right now, and then you walk off stage. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah like, right walk off stage afraid like oh, i don't know that's the right thing to say but I, I said it yeah and but that was me like that's i gave it my all and that's and that's kind of a race at the same time like you go out mm-hmm. there you show up with what you've got in the situations that you're put in and you see what you can do in that given field on that given day at that given track and i think that's why i really love it i think being so, so internally in my team, I don't know if you listen to our podcast. We we debated. Oh yeah. Uh, should time attack count for records only and for podiums that day? Yep. And that and that is my argument is that it matters what happens that day. Yes. Like, it should matter that I I competed against X, Y, and Z, and this is the results that happened. Yes. Like that should matter. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, one of my goals every weekend is to try to beat my personal best at that particular track. 
uh, time-wise. Um, and at Midwest Festival, it was so dusty. The trek like, got progressively worse over the weekend. Sounds like jitters. Yeah, and it was, it was bad. And I could not, could not for the life of me, beat my personal best. But my times weren't really falling, even okay. though the track conditions were continuing to get worse. And I kind of, I kind of had to take some personal victory out of that. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, your efforts kept you on par. Right. And I mean, basically, your on par was better than it was earlier that day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you a hundred percent. I think my personal best agenda was set. I passed four cars and they all was sliding everywhere. And it was only about like two tenths, but I was like, yeah. Yeah. I, I gave it my all on that one. Yeah. It's nice, like you said, too. I think it's also nice to have the some concrete, measurable results. You know, to, mm-hmm. to walk away with like a warm sense of personal satisfaction is good. It is good. But Ooh, com- Scott competition sack coming out now. <laughs> but what's even better is when that warm sense of personal satisfaction is paired with a great on track performance. Like mm-hmm. that's pretty magnificent. And I, I got to, I've gotten to have a few of those, um, the past few seasons because sometimes like your on track performance will be good. Like you will have driven fast. The result will be good, but like, it just feel it. it just felt gross. Mm-hmm. Like the car, you and the car weren't connected. You weren't, you weren't in your body. <laughs> You're just like yeah. doing You're it. just there. Yeah. And sometimes like you'll feel great. Like I just, I nailed this, like uh, qualifying at mid Ohio last year. I felt phenomenal about my qualifying time. I destroyed my personal best and I qualified 21st. <laughs> And I was like, like, just like, I I was really proud of myself. And at the same time, like devastated. <laughs> like, well, apparently everybody's doing great. Cause fuck this. <laughs> it, yeah. I, I a hundred percent get you there, man. Like I've, I, I've had experience like a true Autobahn 2017 had, had a, that's when they used to run full and everything. And uh, that's actually the day my car caught on fire. But I was like, yeah. uh, Autobahn Salt, I was like, yeah, man, I'm I'm doing great. This is this is fantastic. And then get back in, it's like, yeah, you're two seconds off your best. What are you doing? It's like, oh, okay. So I've had times where I've, I've gotten, you know, first that same weekend, you know, gotten first, car sliding everywhere, missed a shift in the fourth. Oh, okay, new record. Oh, well then well then I'm doing something wrong the other times then so I mean I I 100% get you there yeah well where can people read the things that you write see the pictures you take and kind of generally find you on the interwebs Uh, I am a little bit of everywhere Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at uh, proawesomedevin um I write for speed.academy. 
I shoot photography for Global Time Attack and Downforce Media, which is mainly a NASA uh, guy. Um, and uh, let's see what else. Oh, a website at uh, Professional Awesome Racing. And we also have a podcast called Hypercritical by Professional Awesome. And I think that's about it. Track Midwest, too, on Facebook. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind, of, you're kind of the dude there. Oh, yeah. Love me or hate me. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion there. <laughs> well, thanks for thanks for talking with us, Devin. Um, I we wish you the best this weekend. It's a it's a big inaugural thing for you, and I I I think it'll be interesting to see see what what comes of it. I I, I really appreciate you having me, and I'm sorry for missing the last one. Um, I like I said, I'm super excited, super nervous. I, they're kind of balancing balancing themselves out right now, and uh, <laughs> I I. I'm eager to see how this how this all plays out. I'll I'll come find you this weekend. And so if you see someone way too confidently walking up like they know you, it's probably me. Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. That's usually how people come up to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just you gotta you gotta say it on the podcast or something, because usually I'm just they just start talking and I'm just like Bro, yeah. I, what do you drive? <laughs> I'll put my track. I'll put my track walking shirt on, so it there makes it go. more obvious. Yeah. All right, I got. All right. Oh, I've been staring at your face for over an hour now, so I think I'm pretty sure I'm gonna remember it. <laughs> Maybe sometimes he wears sunglasses, and it completely changes yeah, it messes his face. Up everything. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, we are at Track Walking Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Track Walking Podcast um, chats. No, Track Walking chats on Facebook. Nailed it. Um, yeah, um, actually, Devin, could you, you're <laughs> the outro you do on hypercritical about getting reviews. Could mm-hmm. you, could you just do that little snippet for us oh, on this man, show? You know, because I record that like six times because I, <laughs> I listen to it every time because it just makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> well, I really appreciate it. That's the feedback I need to hear. <laughs> good i like it oh man you know i'll i'll, ooh, ooh, I'll record you one after this I, I don't even know what i say anymore <laughs> all right boys it's that time again i need your goddamn reviews <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's like psst. that's right it's that time again it is. i need your goddamn reviews <laughs> i don't i don't care what you say say anything like it hell you can even say Devin made you do it <laughs> perfect thank you for letting me use your voice talent Devin I appreciate it oh yeah well for the three of us here I'm Scott I'm Seth I'm Devin this is track walking have a good week <laughs>